Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're here with Adrian Fenty, former mayor of Washington, D.C., and very much a key figure in America's ongoing conversation and education reform. Welcome to the EdCast. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you here. Now, My I've, pleasure. Let's kind of back it up a little bit. When you decided to run for mayor of Washington, D.C., why did you keep education so high up as an issue that you wanted to have at the forefront of your campaign? Great question. Uh, one, at the time, most people's frustration with the beleaguered D.C. school system had uh, reached a, uh, a breaking point. So during the campaign, citizens demanded I commit to leading and, and fixing the problems too because if you run anything you know you're going to try and fix the biggest problem that you have that's the key to running a successful organization and without any question you know our biggest uh, problem area was a school so it's also was uh, by inference the way that we could move the city forward even faster so it sort of informs your decision that education was the biggest issue with washington dc well, I mean, it's the biggest issue because we spend the most money on it, um, because subjectively and objectively it's the uh, biggest, fastest, uh, easiest, most sensible way uh, to improve the lots of the people who live in Washington, D.C. It would have the biggest impact on reducing crime and unemployment uh, and eradicating other social issues. What was the impetus for keeping the the school systems under the mayor's office? Well, un, un, under my administration, we moved the system from a traditional school board uh, structure, reporting structure, to reporting directly to the mayor. Uh, and we did that because the school board structure, uh, the accountability lines are way beyond bl blurred. And because of that, no one is ever is held accountable for problems, and problems never get fixed. Talk about a little bit about the process to go and make that such a monumental systemic change on a political level in the educational world. We were only the fourth jurisdiction in the country to go towards mayoral control. We did it fast, which is always a good recipe for making tough political decisions, and we did it early, which is the second uh, most important thing in making tough political decisions. Still had a lot of pushback, uh, but because we did it so early, because my predecessor had tried a couple times to get it done, it actually ended up being relatively smooth. That is the actual taking over of the school system. Now, did you ever in your wildest dreams predict that the entire nation, if not the world, was looking at the D.C. school systems based on actions of yourself, Michelle Rhee, the kind of reform that was really happening in D.C. Was that ever something you thought was going to happen? Yeah, I mean, in fact, Michelle and I had a conversation like that. You know, when, when I was close to hiring her, we were talking about our ability to, uh, to have a lasting impact because D.C., one, is the nation's capital, uh, two, because of the resources available to a mayor and chancellor, and three, 
uh, because of the size of the system, we probably had, we thought that we could take over the, well, we had taken over the system at the time. We thought that we made the type of decisions necessary to fix the school system. We probably had a better chance of fixing our system in a, in a short period of time than anyone else because uh, the other jurisdictions, especially Chicago and New York, that have mayoral control, are just so big. They're just going to, and it's just going to take a while. We only had a, 140 schools, only 50,000 kids. So we absolutely thought that we could be a model for the nation. Now, when, when you're deciding on, on such huge, huge you know, changes, who were some of your thought partners in the process? I know you talked to Mayor Bloomberg and Joe Klein about just how to go about enacting this change and, and before how to, how to market it, how to share it with Washington, D.C. As, as a change that will actually work. Yeah, so uh, we talked to Joel. Uh, he was phenomenal. We talked to them so many times. Mayor Bloomberg talked to city council members in New York, business folk in New York. But it was really citizens of Washington, D.C. that, that drove us uh, to want to do it. See, the citizens in D.C. didn't know exactly w what were the right steps and path towards fixing the system. But they knew that they wanted the system fixed, and they were tired of the excuses and the double talk. Are there any regrets or mistakes throughout the whole process that you look back and wish you had done differently? Well, I mean, you know, as is you know now lore, we made tons of mistakes. You know, most of them, to be honest with you, were important, but not. You know, they weren't. They 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 wouldn't have changed outcomes. And they're more style and process. Which is important, uh, but I'm a big results guy, and you can, you know, make as many mistakes as you want on style and approach. But if you get the results right, you sold me. It seems like in the first few years of your administration, the results were astoundingly positive. That must have been really, you know, interesting and encouraging from someone who a was looking for reform and now seeing reform quantitatively. No, it really was. I mean, we ticked off a list of accomplishments from test score improvements towards uh, national test score improvements, graduation rates going up, dropout rates going down, uh, you know, basic management and operations, facilities improvements, race to the top uh, award, um, getting the collective bargaining agreement passed, implemented, tough management decisions. I mean, we ticked off so many things. It was... We really got our money's worth out of those four years. Now, obviously, people are interested in what's what's next. You're no longer the mayor of Washington D.C. You're going on speaker tours. What what is the story you're telling? Is it a story of reform? Is it education? Is it your story? Is it what's next for education in America? Yeah. So, you know, I believe that my biggest value add in education reform is to address uh, the. The, the politicians you know I believe that that these systems are so broken that they can really only be fixed with Herculean efforts at the top with really you know profiles encouraged by politicians who are willing to take on uh, status quo and a special interests but I believe that's what <laughs> that's what you get elected to do so you know I, I, I'm just trying to encourage people to kind of stop double talking stop you know making excuses get things done and uh and 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 to 
We we should have realistic timelines for getting these things, getting these school systems fixed. Take us back to the the first day you actually heard the name Michelle Ree. Who? What did she mean to you? Who was she? And did you ever think she was going to do exactly what she did in terms of reform for education? Sure. Well, you know, after I won control over the system, I called Joel Klein. I said, "Well, listen, you got me into this. Now you got to help me find somebody as good as you." And after it was apparent, you know, he wasn't leaving New York. So he's okay, Mayor. I'll, I'll do it. I understand. Uh, so he actually called me back uh, three weeks later. He had, it was, yeah, I remember the call. He said, listen, I've got uh, some advice about some people who I know are on your short list. Um, and uh, he said one person, uh, both would be good. One person is a little bit of safer choice. Uh, we do a good job. Um, uh, the other person uh, is not a safe choice. It's going to make life very difficult for you, very difficult for the city. But she is the type of change agent. I am the type of change agent you need in D.C. with your system so broken. Um, and I said, when can I meet her? Send her down right away. And uh, she came down quick, literally uh, within a week. You know, we were meeting, and, uh, and I spent uh, at least two meetings convincing her uh, that we were really serious in D.C. about hiring someone great and giving them the resources they need to succeed. Do you think the system that you set up in, in D.C. with the mayoral control over this school system, is that scalable? Will that work in other cities? Is this a model? It's the only thing that has a chance. The school boards will, will not work. What is the problem with the school boards? problem with the school boards is you have probably 7 to 11 very well-meaning people, uh, who none of whom will ever make the decision the, the tough decisions necessary to fix things. We, we had the exact same thing happen in D.C. Uh, everybody knew what needed to be done, uh, but no one had the courage, or at least no majority of the school board had the courage to actually you know, take the vote to do it. And so everything got watered down and debated and ultimately never saw the light of day. How do the teachers' unions factor into this equation? Yeah, well, teachers' unions are the vocal opposition uh, they lead the opposition, um, but they're usually represented by literally less than a handful of people uh, of a membership organization that I believe, you know, are given way too much power uh, proportionally. I think politicians need to just ignore them and do what's right for the people. And I think w if, if we have both parties, both sides of the aisle, ignoring other spe special interests like the teachers union, I think school reform will happen even faster. Uh, who are the people that we as a country need to get into the same room to enact scalable major reform for the entire country? You need, just need to get the, the people in power, and that's the politicians. Yeah, I mean, again, this is a leadership issue. This is not an issue where we need people to agree. I don't care whether people agree. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I don't think people ever will agree. I think the obstacles and the opposition are always going to stay on the other side. That's not. I think that's a waste of time. And uh, I, I try to spend my energy on battles that I think get immediate success. And that is, if I'm meeting with a governor or a mayor or a superintendent, you know, I just want them to know that I'm very impatient and I want them to do whatever necessary to fix the schools. And stop pandering 
to the special interests. So talk about a little bit more about public-private partnerships like the Gates Foundation and hedge mm -hmm. funds managers who are helping fund charter schools. Is there is there a sort of middle ground that politicians in the private sector can find in terms of, of getting real reform happening? I believe that the money of the private sector is important. I believe it, it, it one, helps to provide more resources uh, to pay for reform. I believe the private sector, by definition, is less likely to spend money on something that's not delivering results. Uh, so that may be a particular program or initiative, or it may be a particular school or school system. And I think we can, in the I think in the political world, we can use that as leverage uh, towards fighting uh, obstacles to reform. Saying, "Listen, we've got money on the table, but they're not going to give it to us if if we keep doing things the old way." So you're you're a politician, but some might also say you're uh, kind of technically a movie star now. You're featured somewhat in the Academy Award nominated Waiting for Superman. Yes, I'm the guy standing in the background. <laughs> and you do it well. Yeah, I do. I'm good. Maybe a new uh, Oscar category <laughs> for you. <laughs> exactly. What was that movie? How has that movie sort of changed people's perspectives? What was it like to be part of that, to have that yeah. included in, in the movie? Yeah, that's a, gr two, a, a great double question. So first, it's changed the perspective. You know, it's... If the educa if education reform is a movement, you know that movie movie symbolizes kind of what the movement is all about. It's about the kids and how they will suffer uh, if we keep doing things uh, the old way. The movie could actually go even further, uh, but you can only do so much in in two hours. Um, so so uh, that is extremely important. Just the telling of the tale doing it in a commercial space, getting to the masses, I think is all important. For us personally, when I say personally, I mean the city of Washington, D.C., I mean, it was, it's, uh, it's quite a turnaround for us that to be you know, the butt of the evening jokes, to never have any art, you know, articles written in a positive light about what we're doing, particularly about education, to be in the one jurisdiction, you know, uh, in the you know, best documentary about education ever, to be heralded as you know doing the right thing, uh, you know there's lots of governments talked about in Waiting for Superman. The only government that's chronicled as you know really doing things right for the right reasons was Washington D.C. Last question, Mayor Fenty. Yeah. Oh, in terms of hope, where do you look? Which city has the most hope for education reform? Is it what's going on in Newark? Is it New York City? Is it Louis? Is it New Orleans? Is it Washington, D.C.? That's a good question. I, that one hasn't come up before. Um, that's hard to tell. That's, that, it's, it's hard to tell which city uh, is going to move furthest, fastest. And I think that's kind of what you're asking over the next, say, 24 months. You know, I mean, you could say Chicago. You could see someone like Rahm Emanuel, you know, really going hard and being aggressive about education reform, especially since he's already got the Daily Foundation, the Daily Duncan Foundation. Um, uh, in, in New York, it will, you know, under Bloomberg, obviously, will continue to do well, but he's, you know, he's term limited out now. So you hope that New York will elect somebody who's just as aggressive. They could, you know, in a first term, make a lot of, uh, of difference. Too early to tell in D.C. We've still got the 
you know, the foundation of, of school um, governance that will support great reform. And who knows where the next best example is. What I hope is that each and every time you know, there's new, really aggressive education reform in a city or state, they will go one step further than the last time. Mayor Fenty, thank you so much You're for welcome. appearing on the EdCast, and we'll look for you at Oscar night. Yes. <laughs> this has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. We do have one minor correction. We're not perfect here. Waiting for Superman was actually not nominated for an Academy Award, rather by the Directors Guild of America, yet we still think Mayor Fenty's standing in the background is more than Oscar-worthy. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.